0: Hello, listeners. This is Katie. Just a quick heads up that there'll be some slight differences in audio quality on this episode as we recorded part of it in person and part of it in the studio. Hope you enjoy. Thanks.
1: One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! time. It's my screen time! Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 12, and Libby and Nate are 9. And I have two kids. Jay is six and Kenny is three. And today we're thrilled to be recording our first podcast in person since 2019. And we're joined today by our dear friend, Leah Wieda. Hello,
0: I'm Leah. I have zero kids, two dogs, and one cat. <laughs> <laughs> and you might remember Leah from some of our previous in-person podcasts. She joined us for our review of... Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and our super old toy opening video review. Mm -hmm.
1: Glad to be back.
0: (laughs) We are thrilled to have you. (laughs) Our kids are pretty adorable, though.
1: They (laughs) are, especially when um, we're on vacation
0: away from them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We really miss them a lot. Uh, We like to tell a quick
0: story about how awful wait about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are um just to get the mom stuff out of the way at the top so we're not bothering you with little anecdotes all throughout the podcast so deborah what have your kids been up to while you've been away anything cute well i showed a
1: adorable video of one of my kids nine-year-old nate singing hamilton um to the baby shower group last night.
0: It was the best thing I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. It was really great. As your kids get older, you're less able to manipulate them to do things you want them to do. Like when they're babies, you can dress them however because they can't even like Do buttons. Right. Um, So it was spirit week at my kids' school last week, and they had hat day, and I definitely took the opportunity to send them to school looking like little newsies. Oh. But I feel like they're just on the cusp of not letting me do that anymore. In our Screen Time in the News segment today, we are talking a bit about Nickelodeon. Maybe not a specific article, but they recently held their upfronts to announce their plans for new projects. So we, of course, wanted to weigh in on what we're looking forward to and what we think they can just let go already. So some interesting bullet points on the horizon for Nickelodeon. They did renew Big Nate for a second season, which we just recently reviewed. They ordered a 10th season of Paw Patrol, which sidebar, how has Paw Patrol only had 10 seasons? Because in my head, it's had like maybe 10 million. I know,
1: but this is like traditional TV where they do so many. It's not like 10 episodes per season. It's like 30 episodes per season.
0: That's fair. That's a good point. Um, So there'll be a new season of Paw Patrol, a spinoff just for Rubble, which I know Rubble is a favorite of yours. So are you excited Yay. about this? I'd watch it. And a second Paw Patrol movie. There is going to be a 14th season of SpongeBob SquarePants in addition to additional seasons of the two already existing spin-offs from S- spongebob i'm speaking in this tone because i don't know much about spongebob i don't really care for it so i have not introduced my kids to it i don't know where do you fall on spongebob it came out in
1: 1999 which is after i graduated from high school but i feel like it's from my childhood which is weird oh wait weird i don't know my kids like it and think it's funny um When I first met Jeremy, he lived with a roommate who really liked SpongeBob. Um, And then I just went to a middle school production of SpongeBob the musical Oh, because my friend's um, son was in it and it was super fun. I really want to see the Broadway show sometime.
0: See, I feel like I am probably unfair to SpongeBob because certainly in the 90s and the early aughts, I feel like they had a little bit of that like kind of Ren and Stimpy-esque cachet where people Mm -hmm. in their late teens and 20s were maybe watching it and finding something to relate to there. It was a little subversive and it was so
1: like absurd. Right. Right. I just said that in a weird way. It was absurd.
0: (laughs) That was an absurd way to pronounce absurd. (laughs) All right. We're getting more SpongeBob. Uh, Three more movies for Paramount Plus and one theatrically released movie. So it's going to be a big year for SpongeBob content. Uh, There's also going to be a Baby Shark movie. Uh, They are making a live-action version of the Loud House cartoon, which I was kind of interested to see that Nickelodeon is biting off on Disney's we we must make live-action versions of all our cartoons. Yeah, my kids will want to see that for sure. What did you think about Nickelodeon's upcoming slate? Anything stick out to you? Okay, the thing that stuck, stuck out to me
1: is in the article you sent to me, the writer referred to the Paw Patrol pups as rest quotation paw responders, and that just made me laugh out loud. <laughs> it was so cheesy and so silly.
0: We take the humor <laughs> where we can here on It's My Screen Time too. <laughs> as we've said before, Nickelodeon sometimes gets the short end of the stick with us because it's so much easier to, to just go to streaming platforms. Um, but now that we have Paramount+, Plus, I guess maybe that'll be less of an issue. Mm-hmm. I remember years back, we wanted to cover The Loud House, but it was actually hard to find. It was hard to coordinate us being able to record three of the same episodes because oh, we would have yeah. just had to do it on cable. And right. it was, There were a lot of moving parts and we were just never able to reconcile them. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe we can review the live-action version.
0: Yeah, maybe that'll have to be our our Loud House entry. Should we move on to the main event? Sure. Today
1: we are talking about The Wonder Years. This is the reboot. It's a reimagining of the classic that aired from 1988 to 1993. There were 115 episodes on ABC. You all remember the classic. Um, It starred Fred Savage... Um, the new one, however, premiered September 22nd, 2021 on ABC. New episodes air on Wednesdays. You can also stream the show on Disney Plus and Hulu. This reboot is set in Montgomery, Alabama in the 1960s. The original was set in sort of any town USA type of town. Um, and the new reboot centers on a Black family, whereas the original centered on a white family, and the cast was not super diverse, and it didn't delve too much into
0: topics of racial injustice. Even though it was set in 1968, but we'll get into that. Right, so we
1: <laughs> picked it because we wanted to choose something we were really excited about for our first in-person podcast in more than three years. We knew Leah would be joining us. We didn't want to make her watch a preschool show. I would have uh, declined the invitation. <laughs> And we watched the first three episodes, all of which were directed by Kevin Arnold himself, Fred Savage, who's also an executive producer on the show. We watched episode one, Pilot. Episode two, Green-Eyed Monster. Episode three, The Club. We'll quickly go through the episodes one by
0: one and then move on to our more general thoughts. All right. So in the pilot, we meet the family. Uh, The young protagonist is Dean. And he is 13, 12, 13 years old. And we also meet his parents and his older sister. And it is revealed that his oldest brother is off fighting in Vietnam. The main crux of the episode has to do with Dean trying to organize a baseball game between his Little League team, which is all black players, and his school friend's Little League team, which is all white players. Um, And he starts to feel really proud of himself and optimistic about the role he can play as a unifier. And then the episode culminates, uh, or the episode closes with the death of Martin Luther King. And that, of course, casts a pall over any success they may have felt about organizing this interracial baseball game. Leah, what did you think of the pilot?
2: I loved it. I thought it was super fun. I liked some of the callbacks to the original show, like the one that sticks out in my brain the most was when the... um, The Winnie Cooper proxy. I'm blanking on the new character's name. Yes, Kisa. When I think it's like a shot for shot recreation of Kisa kind of like slow-mo walking onto the school bus. (laughs) And he's got his internal monologue about how she's so great and he loves her. So that that happened early in the episode and it kind of got me from the jump because I really liked the original show when I was little and it was on. So yeah, I, I'm overall thumbs up. I thought all the actors were were good. Like they were they were cute and charming, but they were also good, like young actors. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. How about you, Deborah? I liked it. Honestly, I cried at the end. It got me right here. I'm pounding on my heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought it was really sweet. It's so rare to find a. Uh, show that is kind of aiming for this demographic. Like, it really is a family sitcom. We don't see too many of those anymore. I thought it was off to a great start. I really liked the coach of the baseball team, too. He was kind
2: of a good chump, sort of goofball, but then also, like, had some good serious angles to him, too. Like, even in just the first short episode, he was... Silly, and he was serious, and I enjoyed that about him. Mm -hmm. And he had great
1: hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, should we move
0: on to episode two? Sure. In this episode, Green-Eyed Monster. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention the thing that sets off the whole plot of Green-Eyed Monster. So sorry. (laughs) I should have closed with that. So Dean
1: finds, like, Sneaks Off, finds his best friend kissing Kisa and um this episode is all about how he's feeling terrible that his best friend is uh going out with his crush and the best friend knew he had a crush on her um but he uses the death of Martin Luther King Jr. um to get quite a bit of sympathy and um Special attention from his teachers. And he really is feeling badly. He's just feeling badly about something (laughs) a lot more personal.
2: (laughs) I liked how he was kind of processing his feelings in that way like he sort of knew he was taking advantage Mm -hmm. of a situation but he was also definitely feeling things that were real and now that we're talking about it it's reminding me of a story that all of us were laughing about really hard last night (laughs) uh (laughs) do we want to go into that sure yeah (laughs) yeah please tell (laughs) so we were talking on our our Ladies Get Together weekend about, I don't even know how we got on this topic. We went from Taco John's to (laughs)
0: 9-11. Listeners, Taco John's is a Wisconsin-specific Taco Bell-esque chain. So one of our other girlfriends that's here
2: remembered hearing somebody in the cafeteria on September 11th, 2001 in her college ask, is it still Taco Tuesday, which made us laugh hard, caught our funny bones in the moment, but is also a very real reaction of, I don't know how to think about these big wild things that are happening in the world and how do I connect them to the day-to-day things that are happening in my world. So, not until this very moment did I really connect that episode to Is it still Taco Tuesday? But I I feel
0: like they're in the same spirit. (laughs) Like you're searching for some normalcy. And I think it's kind of a true reflection of childhood, too, because even though you are aware that maybe big historical events could be happening around you, when you're that age, it really is all about you. Like you are going to be more involved in your own personal drama. Maybe that's a little more excusable for a thirteen-year-old boy than it is for a college age. But you know, tacos. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's it's like, a, and we were laughing so hard about it because it's so
1: terrible that what are you going to do except laugh? <laughs> right. One of the things that tickled me about this episode is that the mom, Dean's mom, kept trying to get the family to have dinner together, and that was like her main solution, which is my main solution as a mom. Like, I want to solve all the problems with food. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting exploration of how the different members of the family dealt with grief in different ways. Mm -hmm. And a very traditional, like, 1960s era father-son interaction, where the father deals with his grief in a very internalized way. He goes fishing and has a think Mm -hmm. and he teaches that method to his son and it's a really special moment of internalized masculine values that I don't necessarily agree with, but (laughs) it was clearly important to them in the moment.
2: I liked the callback to the fishing at the end of the episode too, when Dean takes his friend out to the same well, is it the same? He takes his friend out to a place to go fishing and they're sitting there on their buckets and like with their little fishing poles and the voiceover is saying, but it just wasn't the same. Like he was trying to like recreate this moment that happened naturally and kind of learning that you can't recreate mag- magical moments that just happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How are you guys on fishing? I am so bored. Like, please just get, can I read a book while I'm sitting there with a fishing rod in the lake? Like I, I'm not interested. I'm not a fisherwoman.
1: <laughs> I don't like slimy stuff. Mhm. So, yeah, I don't I don't enjoy fishing.
0: All right, so in episode 3, The Club, Dean is confronted with an abrupt transition from boyhood to manhood when his friends all stop trading baseball cards and start passing around lad mags. I think uh, it was a little more than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, he finds a trove of nudie mags in his garage and is caught with them by the school principal so his parents then have to deal with having the sex talk with him and his mother is super frank and liberated and like open in talking about sex and like the difference between men and women and how like women have sexual urges too and it just like opens Dean's mind in such a wonderful way that you wouldn't expect from like a mother-son conversation in the 60s. And then he goes on to have the sad realization that his friends aren't given quite the comprehensive sexual education that he was given by his parents. It was a very sweet episode. What did you guys think?
1: I wondered, was there a corollary in the original series to this? I don't remember it. but I don't
0: either. I don't know that's something that Frank would have aired on network TV. Right.
1: I liked
2: the scene in when all the boys were kind of exchanging magazines with each other in the bathroom and one kid comes in and is like, oh, what do you have? Nice. And then the bell rings and he takes off his sweater and he's the hall monitor. And like, (laughs) boom, like suddenly he's not there to hang out anymore. He's like, it's my duty as hall monitor to confiscate these. And that's how Dean ends up getting in trouble. Right. I thought that was a good representation of how important it is to be a good hall monitor. Yeah, and
0: just such a true encapsulation of how some kids felt about that role in their lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, Tracy Flick.
2: Definite Tracy Flick vibes.
1: Do we want to talk about our overall thoughts? Can we move on? Sure. Do we like the concept slash plot Starting with, what are your memories of the original Wonder Years? You mentioned that you loved it, Leah. Mm-hmm. How did you watch it? Did you watch it alone with your family? The
2: original? hmm I think I must have watched it with my family. I don't really have a lot of specific memories of it, but, you know, kind of the evening network TV would be on after dinner and... My sister's younger than me, so she'd be playing and making noise. We'd My parents and I would be kind of watching it and kind of playing with her or, like, I don't know, multitasking, however you multitasked in the early 90s. Like, <laughs> I don't know, knitting? What well, I don't know what the heck I did. There were no additional screens. Um, yeah, I definitely remember watching it and enjoying it. And one thing that I realized when I was thinking about the new version is I feel like the wonder years might have been one of the first comedy shows without a laugh track. Oh. oh. Yeah. And that didn't, you know, I didn't consciously think about it at the time, mm-hmm. but but when I was watching this one and remembering back to the old one, I'm like, oh, that's maybe one
0: of the things that was different about it. So many of my memories of the wonder years which I loved growing up centered on Kevin Arnold and Winnie Cooper. Yeah. And Kevin Arnold and his relationship with his evil brother, Wayne. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't remember the grown-ups as much of a character at all, other than kind of Kevin's dad being a foil for him because he was a very stereotypical, silent man type. I don't know. Is it just because I'm older that I felt like the parents were more present? Yes. Okay.
2: <laughs> it's okay. We all are.
0: Yeah, I guess. Uh, It made me want to go back and watch the original and see maybe I was missing some interiority there uh, the first time around. I
2: remember thinking Kevin's older sister, whose name I'm blanking on, was really cool.
0: Oh, yeah. She was. She was, yeah. (laughs) She was the hippie of the family. Uh
2: Uh-huh. And I I think it'll be interesting to see how the sister on the reboot, like how her character kind of grows and develops, because I I definitely remember the older sister on the original being like, oh my gosh, she's a hippie and she has awesome hair and like these flowy, suede, fringy clothes. She was so cool. So how are they going to, like how will the new character be parallel or not? Mm Mm-hmm. I had to look up if in the original, did any of Kevin's siblings or did anybody go to Vietnam? I was trying to remember if like that part of the new family with the older brother off at war was in the old version or not. And I think that it wasn't. I didn't Google very hard, if we're being honest. But the sister had a boyfriend or some close friend. She
1: definitely had people that she knew that were in Vietnam. Right. So the stories of the original were set 20 years in the past, and the 60s are much farther away now. Does that diminish the potential impact of the show, or does the importance of that era from an American history perspective mean more than the relative recency? Like, would you have any interest in this show
0: if it were set in 2002? I mean, it is also an interesting time in history, like 2002, there was also a lot of stuff going down. Mm -hmm. But this is also kind of a fascinating time in American history to be launching the show that's set in 1968 and very explicitly about the black experience. Um, I feel like it's tackling racial issues and current events in a way that the original didn't Try to at all.
1: Yeah, I, it makes me think of um, the book Gone with the Wind, and then there's the book that was written much later, from like the slaves' perspective, called The Wind Done Gone. Yeah. If this reminds me of that sort of, if there's like something that's part of the literary canon, and then a writer from a more marginalized group writes something like in response to that, this makes me think of that. If it were just a reboot of the original Wonder Years without. It being from the perspective of a black family, I wouldn't be interested, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I can see either getting made because Mm -hmm. there's also a subset of America right now that is so invested in this like imagined return to values from this period of time. Mm -hmm. So I think both would have been kind of fascinating. I think a version set in 2002 would have been kind of fascinating. But I love how explicit this new reboot is being from the jump about... You know, we are tackling these larger issues.
2: I thought the voiceover in the first episode, like in the screen, the the scene where Dean's riding his bicycle through the neighborhood and Don Cheadle, who, by the way, I love as the narrator.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh,
2: He's He's doing the voiceover and he's kind of talking about we're in a time where America is deeply divided, where there's scary wars happening all over the world. Boop, boop, boop. He had a list of things that he went through, and it was like, is this 1968 or is this today? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how has your change in perspective contributed to how you feel about the show? We are much closer to the parents' age now, but when we were watching the original, we were much closer to Kevin Arnold's age. Katie, I think you answered that a little bit, and yeah. <laughs> I agree, like, I was very invested in the Kevin Arnold, Winnie Cooper dynamic and didn't care so much about the parent plots. But now I'm very much invested in what the parents are doing and how they're processing what's happening in the show.
2: I agree. I think I'm more interested in all of the characters now as a grown-up than I was when I was a kid watching Kevin and Winnie. And another thing, I'm going to... And then I'm going to struggle to explain this parallel. So help me if you hear what the point I'm trying to make. But I read somewhere recently that Dazed and Confused came out when it was about 20 years later. Oh yeah. Than the events of the movie happening, and to me that like thinking that t- that 20 year difference between the 60s or 70s and the 90s and 80s feels so much bigger than the distance between now and the early 2000s. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if we watched a show about 2002, we'd be like, well, that that's not that long ago. And there's, like, time is messing with my brain in wild ways, thinking about the distance between the events of something on the show or the movie mm-hmm. and where we are now.
0: Right it's so different when it takes place within your lived experience for sure i mean think about our kids like to kenny is three years old like to him to watch a show that takes place 20 years ago like that may as well be the stone age right (laughs) and i feel like it was a similar attitude when i was watching the original wonder years like i knew my parents were alive in the 60s but like it just felt like some like distant misty remove. It
1: might have been like pioneer days. Yes,
0: exactly. That was
1: all like (laughs) one lump of human history before the time that I graced the surface of the earth with my presence. It was all (laughs)
0: pre-me.
2: I remember now asking my mom in particular when we would, like the original Wonder Years was on and my mom was a couple years older than Kevin and Winnie would have been. She was probably like Wayne or the older sister's age, and I'd be like, Is this what it was like? And she would kind of not have a lot like, she wouldn't really say any, I mean, she wouldn't blow me off, but she was like, Yeah, I guess I don't know. And so, <laughs> so, I wonder, uh, yeah, what it would be like to watch a show from 20 years ago and have like one of your kids ask, Is this really what it was like back in 2002? And you'd be right. like, I guess. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, it would be kind of fascinating to have, like, a historical show that's, like, explicitly about, like, 9-11 aftermath in the country, Mm -hmm. like, set in 2002. I think it could work. Yeah.
1: So thoughts on the cast and characters. Was there anyone you particularly loved or hated? I didn't hate anybody. I thought they were all
2: good characters and good actors, I think I'm intrigued by the mom I was mm-hmm. telling you too I watched episode 4 Because I couldn't remember what my assignment was And I was enjoying the show So I watched one more And I think episode 4 is my favorite of, of the first few So I'm excited for you to see it as well The parents are cool Like I said, Don Cheadle's a great narrator I'm, I'm thumbs up on the cast
1: Yeah, I liked the mom a lot Seishon Um, What did you think
0: of her Versus the original mom? Ellie Mills. I only went back and watched like the first two thirds of the pilot of the original because I was interested to see how my memory stacked up. And I just think our standards for television have changed so much since the 80s. Like it was very much more acted (laughs) than we would expect of a current show. And everyone was... Feeling their feelings and being their characters, and I'm sure giving it the old college try, but I think there's a little bit more like cheating to the audience sort yeah. of attitude in the way they made TV back then. Yeah. So I don't know if it's fair to compare.
1: I do love that. So Dan Arnold was like kind of like a, I want to say like a union guy, like real just handyman on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Stoic and silent, but um, the dad in this new Wonder Years played by Dulé Hill, he's, like, a professor of music and plays in a funk band. Like, he's a much more intriguing character to me.
0: Yeah, they're very explicit about Dean's parents both being educated professionals. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not the same, like, rose-tinted picture of, like, oh, the housewife mother that, like, just makes meatloafs and the yeah, the probably auto plant working dad, you know.
2: What do you, if you think about the characters on Mad Men and the characters on the New Wonder Years, do they, like, Betty Draper and the mom on the New Wonder Years, like, because they're kind of in the same time for they the late seasons be. of Mad Men anyway.
0: Yeah. yeah, Leah's zipping ahead to our grown-up show comparison. Oh, darn it. <laughs> I didn't read the outline. I know you sent it to me, but I came unprepared. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a good segue into thoughts on the look of the show and how do the 60s look and does it feel
0: authentic? What did you think about the sets, the clothes, the hair? I think they've clearly taken more care than they did with the original, which felt authentic to me at the time. But I was watching the credits and like little Fred Savage is wearing like a neon green t-shirt as he plays Hulk wholesome football in the front yard with his brother. Like, oh. no one was wearing a neon green t-shirt, guys! <laughs> did he, like, get a stain on his costume and they just pulled something out of the back of his car to put on?
2: I thought, I love the look. I, I The look reminds me a little bit of Mad Men in yeah. terms mm-hmm. of, like, the quality of set design and the,
1: the style of the costumes. I think they did a nice job. Yeah, the older sister and her countercultural outfits. I loved them yes. so much. Her mini skirts and yes. her big earrings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great. So great. Okay, what are your thoughts on the use of music? Streaming rights of the original were held up for ages because of the use of such iconic 60s music. Is the music of the new version as
0: impressive? They've used a couple of, like, classic Otis Redding tracks. Mm -hmm. The thing that they did that really surprised me is I don't think they reused the original theme song. Like, they didn't... uh, They didn't... Yes, exactly. (laughs) That Joe Cocker song is, like, so iconic to the original, I kind of just assumed they would remix it or, like, have another version of it being sung. And I thought that was an interesting choice. That almost felt like distancing it from its ties to the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can
2: I tell you a spoiler or is this a no-spoiler zone? Does it
0: come back? Tell Maybe. us. You can tell me. Okay. You can tell <laughs> okay, good, good. So they pulled a Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> because they did the same thing with the pilot right. of Fraggle Rock. They didn't play the iconic opening credits. So the whole time we were like, did they take it away? And then they pulled it out at the end of the episode. But yeah, I didn't hear it anywhere in the first three. It shows up in episode four. Oh, I'm so relieved. And it's good. I'm so relieved. (laughs) Do you know who does it? I don't know who actually...
2: Can I just blow it? Like, can I just say what happens? Yeah. And you can edit this out if you want to. Fast
1: forward 90 seconds. Yeah, spoiler alert, y'all.
2: So, episode four is Take Your Kid to Work Day. And it starts out that Dean goes to work with his dad, who has, like you said, he's a music professor and a, like, musician that plays in a band and he has band practice that day. So that's when the song shows up for Aww. one his band plays it. Aww. It's so good. And then the he go, the part the other part of episode 4 that's really good is he ends up his dad's like, ah, I can't I can't do this." Like he's getting in the mess. He's getting in the way. He's making a mess. I can't have him at band practice. So he ends up going to work with his mom for the rest of the day. And that's really good. That's definitely more like Peggy and Mad Men type of vibe. Nice. Uh Uh-huh. But when the dad's band plays the Beatles slash Joe Cocker song, gets ya. It's good.
0: Oh, I'm so (laughs) glad. Leah, I'm so pleased to hear that. Can we segue back for a second and talk about Dulé Hill? Yes. Yes. Because he plays Dean's father and so much of this episode is just going to be like me confronting the fact that I'm old now. But like, I have had a crush on him since The West Wing, and the fact that now he is playing the father on The Wonder Years <laughs> really makes me feel my age. Aww. So then I went back and looked up old photos of Dan Loria <laughs> who played the father on the original. Did Wonder he years, make your heart go just to see if like he was cute when he was young? He had some real eyebrows, and I am a noted peter gallagher fans. Oh, so i don't have a thing against eyebrows <laughs> but he just didn't have the same effect on me as a young doula hell <laughs> yeah he's he's got the like the cool part in
1: his hair and he's got a little bit of salt and pepper in his beard mm-hmm Dulé's doing all right yes <laughs> and there's a funny sequence in the first episode where Dean is talking about how his dad's line is always, be cool. Mm-hmm. Be cool. <laughs> and it shows like I'm in a number of situations where he's just trying to get everybody to be cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I like that me. too. And and that one, like one of the parts of that
2: montage is they, the family's in the car and they got pulled over. Yes. And, and yeah. like the, the tone of his be cool is Different in that one than it is in the rest of the montage. Right. So it was another like one of your first points, Deborah. Was kind of that it's more specifically acknowledging the the racial existence
0: of 1968 slash today. Right. 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 Oh, yeah. And rewatching that little bit of the original pilot, the narrator, who I don't know who voiced the narrator on the original one, explicitly said, in some ways, those were the last wonder years of the suburbs or something. Like, he very explicitly states the title of the show. Yeah. And it's just so interesting to now have this other series that's set in the same year and be like, no, dude, these weren't the wonder years. It was like a terrible, tumultuous time in American history. Like... Come on, Kevin.
2: The original narrator, I I had in my head that it was Bob Saget, but it was Daniel Stern. He's one of the robbers in the original Home Alone.
1: Really? (laughs)
0: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Now I'm picturing Fred Savage growing up to be Daniel Stern, and it is not working. (laughs) So let's talk about the length and the structure
1: Was this on your radar, even though it aired on a broadcast
0: network? I remember when the trailer dropped and Mm -hmm. it was getting some attention, and I think we maybe even posted it on the socials for the show. But then Crickets, I had forgotten it existed. I didn't realize it aired in sequential fashion on broadcast television at all. I just happened to see the icon on Disney Plus and be reminded that it existed. So I'm kind of sad that it doesn't seem like it's been getting very much attention, maybe because it's a broadcast show. Mm -hmm.
2: The only bit I remember hearing about it when it came out was Don Cheadle was on one of the late night shows, maybe Jimmy Fallon or Seth Meyers. Those are the ones I watch most frequently. And he was talking about something else. And like the last 30 seconds of the interview were, hey, you're the voice on the new rebooted Wonder Years. And he was like, yeah, I'm excited. It was a really great experience. Like had positive things to say about it, but like, it was an afterthought, it seemed to me,
1: uh, for whatever movie or other project he was there to plug. So, what movie or show for grown-ups does this compare to? Take it away, Leah. Well, I've pulled Mad
2: Men out of my hat twice. I think the the time, the look, the awareness of how things are not as like surface level great as our false nostalgic memories. Try to paint them to
0: be mm-hmm. that that's probably the thing that is most uh, similar to me, mm-hmm. right? Right, yeah, I like that subversion. It feels like it could have been the pitch for the whole reboot like Mad Men, but for kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. How about you, Deborah?
1: Um, I kept thinking about the Fred Savage Roblo sitcom. I think it was quite short-lived, but, but it, was it was like good. The grinder? It was good. Yeah, it was Fred Savage's return to like he's done quite a bit of directing, I think, but it was his return to being on the screen.
0: <laughs> I just love
1: Fred Savage so much.
0: Yeah. Do you remember when everyone was recirculating that rumor that Paul from the Wonder Years was Marilyn Manson? I do. <laughs> It was, like, something that could only happen in the just pre-iPhone age. (laughs) That would be wild. (laughs) Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? You know the show The Americans? Yeah. So I kind of want a similar vibe with this. Like, we can still set it in the 60s, but the parents are spies, so their, their loyalties clearly lie with Russia who or whoever they're spying for. I don't care. But, like, there's also a lot of tumultuous historical things going on in the country that they're, like, masquerading as being a part of, and obviously they have some feelings related to that. So I thought that would be a good little change-up to make it grittier. Mm-hmm. and. hmm I was thinking I would like to see Idris Elba as the father. I would like to see Idris Elba do anything. (laughs) And then uh, Viola Davis as the mother. So that like bumps up the age of the parents a little bit. So then I just bumped up the age of the son too because, you know, I'm really terrible at picking child actors. We just don't know that
1: many child actors.
0: (laughs) So, you know, we're big Star Wars people in our house and um, I have followed the saga of John Boyega and his horrible experience with the Star Wars franchise so I would like to cast John Boyega as the lead child role.
2: I think it would be fun to go like a Bojack Horseman style animated version where I don't know how (laughs) HBO this is or is not but but like Bojack has comedy moments and like deals with real issues moments so maybe that could be a, a new twist is just animate the whole thing. And maybe a couple of the voice voices that I would want to pick might be... Uh, I don't know exactly what character this person would play. Maybe the friend, uh, but Lakeith Stanfield, I think, mm-hmm. has a really emotive voice mm-hmm. and is good at like different tones and different sorts of emotions, so he would be fun. Or maybe Zendaya could be the mm-hmm. sister. Would she would look
0: great in the clothes. I know you're talking anime, <laughs> but she would pull it off. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Okay, I thought about, let's set it in 2002 and do an examination of middle-class American life in the post-9-11 world. And I would cast Zoe Kravitz and Donald Glover as the parents. And I would have um, the actress named Darby from Clifford the Big Red Dog and from Big Little Lies. She'd play like the older sister and then the little girl who plays Sandra Os daughter in the chair which I still haven't watched. It's good and she's really cute and a good actor.
0: I like it. I want this 2002 set show now. I kind of do too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, was it well, this is a tough one. Was it
1: better when we were kids? I think the original Wonder Years was great, but I really welcome this reboot. I think it's a great perspective.
0: I think all of our coverage of reboots and remakes, which we do a lot on our show because there are a lot of the content that's getting made, is just like a good, like kill your darlings kind of lesson for life. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these reboots are better than the original, and it is okay to say so. I can still have fondness in my heart for Fred Savage and Danica McKellar. That's her name, right? Yes. Yeah um and recognize that that show was an important part of my childhood while saying that this one is hands down better (laughs) i plus one to everything katie said
1: would you ever watch this alone voluntarily heck yes i already did (laughs) (laughs) same i would too
0: i would too i would love for my kids to have a similar relationship to it as i had to the original wonder years like it it feels like i could have a similar sort of place in kids hearts yeah so
1: 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids it might be a little mature yeah
0: like i'm thinking of the nudie mag <laughs> episode <laughs> yeah my kids are too young they just wouldn't i think i don't think the plot would necessarily hold their interest and they're very much wrapped into the egocentric age where like they're not really curious about history. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us were when we were yeah. six. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But I don't know. What about Tony's age? I mean, the pr- protagonist Dean is like Tony's age, so I, I'm gonna try to watch it with my family. We'll see if they what they think. I think it's totally appropriate for my kids' age, though. Yeah, I think this is true family television. Like, It's made for all ages. Ratings, we like to rate on a one to five scale. One is terrible, five is the best. What do you think? I'm going four and a
2: half. I liked it a lot, but I haven't thought hard enough about what would make it a five. It might be a
0: five. (laughs) Now that I know the theme song is coming back, (laughs) I feel much more confident in my high rating. I enjoyed this a lot. Um, I might have to give it a five. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Five stars. Awesome. Anything else on the Wonder Years? Loved it. Thanks for making me watch it because I had (laughs) forgotten that it existed. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. And thank you, Leah, for joining us on this adventure. Yay! It was fun. Here's hoping it's not another three years before we get to hear your lovely voice on a podcast again. I don't
2: even think I swore. No, you did great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will not have to use the beep. Do you want to just get one out now? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com or find us on pretty much all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at myscreentime 2 Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more Real Talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye! Bye! Bye.
2: Screen time! Screen
1: time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time. It's my screen time too!